This podcast is brought to you by the film Ezra from Bleecker Street, directed by Tony Goldwyn with an incredible ensemble that includes Robert De Niro, Bobby Cannavale, and Whoopi Goldberg. Ezra is a funny and endearing story about Max, a divorced father struggling to co-parent his autistic son, Ezra. When faced with difficult decisions about the future, they embark on a cross-country road trip that has a transcendent impact on both their lives. Deadline calls Ezra a touching testament to the power of love. In theaters May 31st. Pampers Cruisers 360 is the must-have diaper to help keep your baby from taking it right off, which, if you've experienced this, can lead to complete chaos. With its 360-degree stretchy waistband that moves with your baby for a comfortable fit, your active baby can move freely. Think of it as baby yoga pants. Cruisers 360 offers a gap-free fit and has a blowout barrier at the back of the diaper to help stop any unwanted disasters. The best part? That stretchy waistband makes it so easy to change your wiggly baby, who is always on the move and can't be stopped. Just rip the sides to remove and roll it up with the disposal tape on the back. Voila! Pampers Cruisers are available in sizes 3 to 7 and now feature fun new prints. Pair with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes, made from 100% plant-based cloth that grips the mess without fear of tearing. With Free and Gentle, mess meets its match. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician-recommended brand. Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Hi, this is Laura Vanderkam. I'm a mother of four, an author, journalist, and speaker. And this is Sarah Hart Unger. I'm a mother of two, and soon to be three, and a practicing physician. We are two working parents who love our careers and our families. Welcome to Best of Both Worlds. Here we talk about how real women manage work, family, and time for fun. From figuring out childcare to mapping out long-term career goals, we want you to get the most out of life. Welcome to episode three, where we'll be talking about crafting the right work-life balance and does it make sense to take your career part-time? A lot of strong feelings about that one way or the other, so we're looking forward to that discussion. Um, before we get into that, though, we I'm heading out for vacation next week, and so I've been thinking a lot about planning vacations and vacations with kids. Sarah, you're not taking a vacation this August, though, right? Because you did it earlier this summer? Yeah, we had a two-week journey in June, so we kind of used up a lot of our days at that time. Where are you guys going? We're going to the Jersey Shore. Um, Woohoo! Where <laughs> everyone around here goes to the Jersey Shore. It's on the East Coast thing, but uh, we really like it. We're renting a big house in a town on the Jersey Shore, and my extended family will be joining us. We did another version of this in, out in Indiana in the beginning of July, where my husband's extended family rented a lake house, and we all were on Lake Michigan together for a week. So that's kind of how we've been doing a lot of vacations with little kids. Um, having a house is 
definitely good. You don't have to take people out to eat every single meal uh, if you're doing that kind of thing. But you you were moving around a lot, though, for your two weeks. Yeah, we did. That was kind of like our little epic journey that I figured would be easier with our kids at their current ages. We um, headed to my college reunion in Williamstown, and then from there went to New York, some different areas in New York, visited family, and then finally landed in Philadelphia. And it was about 12 days, I think, that we spent on the road in total. And I think 10 might have been the right length for us. That was just a little bit too long. (laughs) But I do think there is something to taking more than a week, which is not something we had really done before. And you just decided to save up your vacation days and do it? Yeah. One thing that I've found with kids is that to me, luxury, I really do enjoy nice hotels, but when it comes to traveling with kids, luxury is overrated because if you've got a three-year-old running around a fancy hotel, that actually adds to the stress. Um, so I'd rather save my money on accommodations and have more childcare, whether that be in the form of family members or bringing our nanny with us. Yeah, which is something you can do. We've done that occasionally. We're not on this because we have so much extended family with us. Um, the other thing we've done when we took a trip over spring break, we actually left the two-year-old with others um, and just took the big three kids because we knew it was going to be hard to have a long plane flight with a little guy. It was going to be not relaxing at all. We can do other special stuff with him. You know, It's not like his life is no fun, but I think he also benefited from having more adults focused just on him um, during that time, whereas it would have been more stressful for us to have all four kids with us. So, I mean, you just kind of have to think about what's going to work for you in different vacations. I love that outside of the box approach. I will admit, I was like, oh, I've not heard of people doing that, but it actually makes total sense because your other three kids can get more attention. He's not going to have any memories made or broken in that, you know, week period at that age. And you probably all had a a great time and a nice break. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Although I think what one has to remember with trips with kids, I read this article the other day, they're saying, you know, the difference between a vacation and a trip and <laughs> the vacation in many of our minds involves like sitting on the beach with a novel and a frozen drink and nobody wanting anything from you ever. And that's just not what your vacations with little kids are going to look like. And so if you go in knowing that, then you can sometimes have some fun times and build in moments of relaxation. But if you think your whole trip is going to be like that, you're just going to be deeply disappointed. And then that can be this whole existential angst thing that people go through. Like, oh, I hate my life as well. And, you know, maybe your expectations were a bit out of whack for your your, your two-year-old and, and this particular trip. Yeah. And, you know, what? one thing you can do, and you sort of mentioned this, is in the midst of a family vacation, building in some couples time because you may need to recover from all that 24-7 childcare. So we actually had my kids stay with my parents for two nights while we stayed at a hotel just 30 minutes away. We went to a concert. We saw Cigarose. They were awesome. We went to a movie. We went to dinner with you guys. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so, and it was awesome. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, even though it was 12 days mostly spent with the kids, that little mini break in the middle definitely added to the relaxation factor. Yeah. So we love that. And, and even if it's just trying to, like, maintain your own personal enjoyable habits during vacation. I mean, I made sure when we went 
to Indiana with my husband's extended family. I kept running every day. Um, sometimes it was runs with a sister-in-law of mine, which was fun, and other times runs solo. But just even having that little bit of alone time uh, really went a long way to making me feel like I was doing something fun on that trip. So, And then, of course, there's always work travel, which is yes. in a way a parenting vacation. It's <laughs> totally a parenting vacation. Trips with kids are a vacation from work, and trips for work our vacation from parenting. I so mean, there you go. All yeah. travel can be <laughs> can be <laughs> vacation if you think about it that way. Um, but moving the conversation to our, our main segment today, we want to talk about work and, and how we think about our work hours and our structure our work. Sarah and I have different sorts of jobs. I run my own business. I do a lot of speaking. I write books on time management and productivity. And I do work a reasonable number of hours. However, they are relatively flexible. If I need to travel for work, then they're not exactly flexible. I mean, I have to be on stage somewhere at a certain time time. So that's not something that can be moved around. But the rest of it is. And and so for me, it's always about making sure I get in the work I need to do, but I can make it fit around other things in my life. But Sarah has a different situation, which is the reality of medicine, which is that you are seeing patients and they tend to be yes. seen at a certain time. You, at a certain have, to place. you have to be physically present. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Although, you know, there is more telemedicine happening and more interesting opportunities that do allow work from home. Most of it is still in-person work. So prior to doing any really dialing back to my schedule, I was just sort of full days, Monday through Friday, um, and adding a commute on there meant that I was on for the house from around 7.30 to 6 every day. And I'm also on call every fifth week. So that means I have to work both weekend days during those weeks. And I also have to answer any phone calls that come at any time in the evening or overnight. So, you know, it's a decent number of hours. It's not a hideous number of hours. There are certainly professions where it's, it's more. And that's, you know, in part by design. Um, but there really was not a lot of flexibility there. Yeah. And, and so... At some point in the last year, you decided that you wanted to change it up a little bit. I did. So right around the time that I was thinking about expanding our family, it came to me that perhaps I could just ask for one day off per week and see if they would let me do an 80% arrangement where I'd get paid for, you know, 80% of the time I was spending at work, but would have one day blocked off for myself. My husband was completely supportive of this. We just felt like between the two of us, there were not enough parent available hours. And we'll talk a little bit more about, you know, why that ended up coming out of mine and not out of his. You know, I was really the one who was happy to do this. And so I went to our administration. I was really nervous. I didn't know how they would approach it. And they were actually very accepting. And they said, oh yeah, we've had people do that before. No problem. When would you like to start doing that? So I was thrilled. And I made that official in April, going down to 80% time. The other thing I did, which has enhanced the flexibility and also I feel like has helped me grow some new skills and actually have some more leadership in my job is to take a role in our emerging residency program. I'm going to be the associate program director of our pediatrics residency, which um, we're interviewing candidates starting now. So instead of only being clinical and seeing patients, I have some other responsibilities which aren't quite as time sensitive, I guess. I mean, I still have to spend at least as many hours doing things, but I can do some of those things from home. I like I have to craft a presentation that I'm giving on Thursday. It's a little bit more fluid. So that combination has really been 
really rewarding to me. And I feel like I love the balance that I have right now. And and one of the reasons we're able to do this podcast, I should stress here, is that oh, the Sarah, only reason, the only there is reason no way <laughs> that Sarah now has a day off a week where we can record stuff, um, and and so we we look at the day that she has off and try and set our calls and and do our podcast during that time. So so it certainly allows her to do her own. 20% project, as it were. I think Google was famous for many years for allowing their engineers to spend 20% of their time on a project of their choosing. And this is this is kind of your 20% time project, right? It totally is. And you know, if medicine would get to that enlightened point where they would give us a day to do whatever we want, that would be pretty amazing. But I don't see it happening anytime soon. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So this was my solution. Now, obviously there's there's trade-offs. I mean, what 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 was going through, you know, there's financial, there's all sorts Absolutely. of other things. So talk about that. Yeah. So from a financial standpoint, obviously there was the number crunching to figure out, oh, is this even going to be doable? We definitely have our eyes very open with res- with respect to, you know, what's coming in and what comes out. We've been using, and again, non-sponsored, um, but the budgeting app, YNAB, you need a budget for the past three years now. And literally every transaction and every paycheck goes in there. So we kind of knew exactly what we were dealing with and whether we could handle it. You know, we talked about it and figured out what might have to be given up or compromised on, and it seemed like it could work. So that was a big part of our decision-making. I did fear a little bit at work that I might not be taken as seriously, but thus far, those fears have not been realized at all. I've been asked to give grand rounds this month. I've been asked to take part in um, the beginning of this new clinic that we're setting up. So I feel like the administration has actually sort of paid no attention, which I think is great. Um, They're treating me just as much as a full team member. I've even been participating in like a leadership development program this year, which admittedly I was asked to do before going part-time, but nobody said, oh, well, now that you're 80%, you don't need to do this anymore. I'm still doing it. So it hasn't impacted me negatively. I guess the hardest part has been fitting in all my patients that are already my existing patients and needing to be seen, but we're currently training a nurse practitioner to do some of the overflow. So I think that's actually going to work out really well. Yeah. And of course, there's also the question on the personal side, like, are you using your time off well? I mean, I think you are with this podcast, but but it might be easy to just like clean the house the whole time or something. Yes. And I will say, I haven't really been able to enjoy the time until... I would say July because I was just so sick from the pregnancy that I was just like, I have to lie down. And I, I, I don't know. At that point, I was also catching up with so many of the loose ends that I couldn't deal with normally. So it was like I had every appointment accumulated. Like when was I going to the dentist and when was I taking the kids to the doctor and et cetera. But now that I've caught up with those things and I feel like a human, it's been like a renaissance for me. I mean, that's what made me realize, hey, I want to do this. And it, it even makes me... I feel like a more active and happier parent when I'm with the kids by myself because I feel like, well, I got all this time. So now I'm happy to spend, you know, this time with my kids while my husband isn't there. So it's kind of bled over in ways that I didn't even expect. Yeah. So that, it, I would say that this is like a, a good, you know, win schedule <laughs> for, for Sarah. <laughs> so we so probably far. have a lot We're of people, yeah, <laughs> we have a lot of people listening to this who are like, oh, that sounds great. Maybe I should go to 80%. I, I think that there are a lot of things to think about. Partly that's, I've spent a lot of time studying women's time logs. I did a huge time diary project where I looked at 1,001 days in the lives of women who had six-figure jobs, so really big jobs, and also had kids at home. And I saw a couple things that struck me as very interesting. One is I had 
colleagues keep logs sometimes. So I had people from the same company. And I would notice that in many industries, there is no set number of hours that people work. Like it's kind of all over the map. And so two people who could have full-time schedules might be working, you know, one works 40 hours, one works 55, or sometimes it was even like 35 and 55. I mean, that is a big difference, right? That and it's huge. It's That's part-time and full-time. <laughs> That's part-time and full-time, but they're both technically full-time or, you know, once, and some of the women I studied had come up, you know, asked for official part-time schedules and... In some cases, I saw women who had part-time schedules working like 50 hours a week. And in at least one case, I saw a woman who had a part-time schedule working more hours than a colleague who had a full-time schedule. So clearly something is going wrong in that particular company. I will not name it, but it is... uh, what happens in a lot of industries is that there is no accountability for hours whatsoever. So Sarah's job... You have to do in a certain time, certain place. If she goes to 80%, it's because she sees 20% fewer patients. So we know that. There are other you know, stuff that's like that too. Like if you get paid by the hour, okay, then you know how many hours you work. If you are a lawyer who has to bill time, if you get a 20% reduction in your schedule, like you have to bill 20% fewer hours, yeah, you'll probably work roughly 20% fewer hours. So in cases where there's accountability for it, it, it can buy you more time. What happens in a lot of industries is that nobody knows how many hours anyone is working. And people throw out numbers like, oh, we all work 80 hours a week around here. They don't. Like, let's just put that out there right there. They generally do not. Um, It just sounds like a good number. And so you want to make sure you really know what the denominator is on the number of hours per week before you change the numerator and take a pay cut to change the numerator. So I'm going 80%. Well, what is it 80% of? Right. And so if you don't know what that is, like if everyone's talking about their 80 hour work weeks, but in fact, they only work 55 hours, then going to a 45 hour week and taking a 50 percent pay cut to get that. Well, that wasn't a good financial move because you're only working 10 fewer hours than other people and you just lost half your money. So that's something to think about. I think the other thing to keep in mind is that in many cases, what people want is time and time can be gained either through working flexibly or through just working less. And and to back up to explain that, you know, there are ways of working different hours in different places that make might make life more doable. So certainly getting to work from home a day or two a week can buy you back your commuting time. And even if you're working some of that time more, um, more hours, you, you might still feel like life is more doable. Um, it could be getting to work flexibly, doing that, what we call the split shift of leaving work at a reasonable hour, spending the evening with your family, doing more work at night after the kids go to bed. Sometimes people even might be willing to do a little bit of work on weekends, and that way they can have a more reasonable life during the week. So sometimes it's just about getting flexibility rather than going part-time. And then other times we can do what Sarah and I were joking about calling this the informal 80% schedule, which is that if you are a productive professional woman and you look around your office, you will probably notice that there are people who are 20% less productive than you already. (laughs) And so maybe you could just try working like they work and see what happens. Uh, and, and, you know, maybe just not call attention to it. Sometimes it is better to ask for forgiveness than permission. So if you want to bring your kids to school two days a week, just show up later, see what people do. I don't know. Maybe, maybe they'll fire you, but maybe they won't. Right. (laughs) 
Yeah. And I know that there are some industries that are just very production driven. So if you're getting your stuff done just as well or even better than those that are have more FaceTime, then I feel like that's a positive thing. I mean, I definitely think that's something that varies from company to company, but I think there are more that are making some efforts to discourage the butt in seat FaceTime culture. Although I know there's still some. Yeah, there's plenty, but there's been some research finding that some men just do this, right? That they work the way they want to work and just don't talk about it. So if they want to do something with their family in in the evening, they leave and then they're maybe on a call later or answering emails later and people just assume that they were working the whole time, but they weren't. They weren't at all. They just don't talk about it. Um, And I think in some industries, it might behoove women to try that approach, just to work how you want to work, see how it goes down. Um, Maybe there will be consequences, in which case you can deal with it. But if you were already thinking like, oh, I can't make this work, I should quit. Like, well, then you may as well work how you want to work and see see what happens. See what happens. (laughs) I mean, maybe it'll work just fine. And and then you can um, go with that. So the informal 80% skill. But of course, then we run into this issue of guilt. Talk about the the guilt factor. Uh, Sarah and I are both what um, have people read Gretchen Rubin's books. We call upholders, which people meet outer expectations and our inner expectations. But uh, you you liked having it official. I definitely liked having it official. Again, that's partly the industry that I'm in. If I was in a more results-driven environment, I wonder if I could have taken a more casual approach. But the fact is I'm in one where I am expected to be there. So for me to break the rules, to break those outer expectations is so uncomfortable. I mean, I'm the kind of person, like if I'm running seven minutes late, I'm texting our manager, oh my gosh, I'm almost there. And you know, I've done that. And then like um, my medical assistant will note that like, you know, this doctor comes in 40 minutes every day late and never says anything. So it really suits my personality a lot more to have, since there are expectations, to not quietly try to be subversive. Like I just was not going to work for me. But I think, you know, again, in in some other industries where it isn't so straightforward, you know, that you need to be in certain places, certain times, there always is this, you know, temptation, I guess I call it, that we want to be the good girls, right? Like we want to show that we are team players. We're playing by the rules. Like, and sometimes it's about showing like, oh, I'm a good mom because I'm working part time. I mean, we, we're going to go there. We're going to talk about yes, this um, in this certain so circles. Important. Like, look at me. I, oh, I work a part time schedule. I work, yeah, but it's a part time schedule, and and so that's how you can show to the world that no work is not my top priority. My family is my top priority, and I'm going to show it by taking the official career hit. So there's some of that going on. And and when Sarah ta- has talked about going to her 80% schedule, she she has gotten a little bit of pushback on her blog from people. We've got some very, you know, fierce, powerful women here reading yeah, these Yeah, and I like that. It was actually a very thoughtful, polite, and powerful pushback um, that I got. But someone commented that they were, you know, they were supportive of my decision and they get why it works for me, but they're a little disappointed that it always has to be the woman that's making this choice and not the man. And I, in some ways, I agree with her. Like, I wish, you know, that we were, if I could be the man and make this choice, I would feel even, you know, more empowered doing what I'm doing versus this way. It sort of feels like I'm succumbing to gender roles. Whereas in reality, it is truly what I want and works best for the family. And, you know, interestingly, in some ways, I think it's not the women, and this is going to be controversial too, but that are the most oppressed by this concept. 
but it's the men because I actually think there's a lot of professional men that probably could still support their families and, you know, have career success, but still formally dialing back their hours or their time to make more time for family. But this is just really not something that's done very often in our society. Yeah. And that's why there's some research finding that men may experience more work-life stress than women do because men also want to spend time with their families, but they don't have the same options for dialing it back that women do. I mean, a guy who says he wants to work part-time, people will be like, well, why? Like, I don't get it. That doesn't make any sense. Whereas if a woman suggests she wants to work part-time, a lot of times people assume, well, that's just what mommies do. And so the guys are feeling the stress of having to continue full throttle on their careers while raising their families. Um, and, and they don't have the same social acceptance of other options. Yeah. I just finished reading a really interesting book called My Year of Living Danishly. And it talked about a woman who was a, a writer actually for a magazine. And she moved from the UK to Denmark for a year so that her husband could take a job with Lego. And both my husband and I have been fascinating, but fascinated by reading what it's like to work in another country like Denmark, where actually both genders are expected to work what would be considered part-time for most of us in the United States. Um, 35 hours is typical to leave the office at 4 p.m. to pick up your kids is normal. And then on Fridays, often they end even earlier. And that's true whether you're a man or a woman. And in reading this, you know, both of my husband and I are like, you know, this is awesome. Maybe someday our culture could, well, I'm not really that hopeful that you asked, but maybe we could partake in such a culture where both of us would have time for balance. I think that would be the ideal. Yeah. And it certainly is is totally possible for couples, for both parties to work full time, to have full schedules and travel for work and anything like that. So there's certainly no requirement that one party in a couple dialed things down at all. But, you know, if, if people want to, I think the key thing is you want to make sure you're getting the right things out of it and that you don't automatically become the person who has to do all the laundry just because you work one fewer day per week or something like that. And I know you, you guys have had conversations about making sure that it doesn't all fall to you. No, it definitely doesn't. And trust me, if that's what I was doing on my day off, then I'd probably rather be at work. <laughs> yeah. Well, because then you'd just be substituting lower, exactly. no paid labor for, for higher paid labor. So that's not I mean, I don't mind folding, but, choice. you know. <laughs> not into folding at all. <laughs> yeah. So, so some things to think about with, with going to the, the part-time schedule, that it can work. Uh, you just have to be very careful that you're not working full-time hours for less pay. If you do decide to go to a part-time schedule, and Sarah's good about this, you want to set your boundaries. So don't be that person who's working 50 hours a week and only getting paid for part-time because people are like, oh, but I just need to schedule this call even though it's your day off. Some of it's the kind of work again, but how, how would you suggest setting those boundaries? It really, I mean, for me, it does help to have the kind of work where I either have a template with patients on it or I do not. But I have been pretty careful not to say yes to too many meetings on my days off. Or if I do, then sort of remember that, well, then on my, on Friday, if I have to run to my OB appointment during 
a day where I'm at the office, that hour is sort of accounted for because I don't want to end up working the same number of hours as before for a lower paycheck. That's not fair to anyone. Not fair to anyone, especially you. <laughs> exactly. Especially um, so this brings us to the segment where we do our love of the week. Uh, Sarah's loving her 80% schedule, but there's other things she loves too. So what do you have for us this week? There are other things I love. This week, I'm loving birthday parties. <laughs> We actually, last weekend, spent, I don't know, a good chunk of our overall weekend at a birthday party for someone. We had one on Saturday for a five-year-old and then another five-year-old on Sunday and then my sister-in-law that night. I know birthday parties get a really bad rap, but... I don't know. For younger kids, it's usually a bunch of kids running around, having fun. You get to socialize with the parents. A lot of times you don't have to supervise your kids as closely because they're engaged in whatever activities are being provided by the party. And then they go home tired out. So I personally think it's a win all around. One thing that has made my party experience, I guess, a little bit smoother or more fun is that I do the second I RSVP to a party, I order the gift at that moment so that it's been in the closet and I don't have to scramble to deal with that. And I have a whole like wrapping drawer that's always stocked. And then that becomes actually part of the event. The kids help me wrap the gift. They make the present. And then that, you know, takes up part of the morning and then we go to the party and it's, it's a nice way to spend the day. So yeah, I'm into them. Kids You're birthday parties. I, yeah, I don't think they're as bad as I, I think people like to complain about them, but I honestly, unless it's at like Chuck E. Cheese's, which I hate. Um, oh, yeah, <laughs> that's not the best. <laughs> that's not the best. Uh, but a lot of them would be fun. And that's how we've gotten to be good friends with a lot of parents is that you just keep seeing them at the birthday parties over and over again. And the next thing you know, you're like, oh, I actually like these people. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. What is your love of the week? My love of the week is my Kindle app. I like to read and I think like a lot of people I was sort of saying, oh, I don't have enough time to read and I, the time I was reading, it turned out I was either looking at headlines online or I was reading magazine stories and there's only so many times you can read the story about how air popped popcorn is a good low calorie snack. <laughs> I think I've read that about 50 times. So this January, I think it was, I put the Kindle app on my phone finally and I, had th I thought that was silly because I like I have a Kindle somewhere that I should be reading, but I never take that with me. Ever, whereas I take the phone with me everywhere, right? So I have my phone, and now I can read eBooks on it during time that I would have been scrolling through headlines or social media or whatever. And it's nice because I, I can even read like really big books with only having to have the small thing in in my pocket. And so that was really helpful recently i read through the personal memoirs of ulysses s grant there's a long story of how i wound up reading that but anyway it's this kind of epic book It'd be two volumes set uh if i was looking at it in actual book form but it's just on my kindle and i was you know scrolling through and reading it and getting through it in these little bits of time that are otherwise very easy to waste you know you're sitting there waiting for a kid to be done at practice or waiting for a phone call to start or something like that so Kindle app is is free. Obviously, if you're buying books from Amazon, that costs money. But uh, the truth is, there's a lot of free books on on Kindle. Like a lot of the stuff that's in the public domain is either free or it's 99 cents. So if, as long as you just have an account, it it's almost nothing um, to purchase some of these older books that are in the public domain and they're just basically and, compensating people for formatting it. That's it. And libraries also, a lot of them have the ability to borrow free eBooks as yeah. well. So. so that's definitely something to look into. If you think you're not 
reading enough and or you want to read more, just see if you can turn some of that random phone scrolling time into actual reading time. And that's what I did too. It's kind of embarrassing how many more books I am making it through these days than I was. I read a ton. We should do a reading episode. We will do a reading episode. We read a ton. (laughs) My Kindle app is what I am loving this week. We also, of course, love listener questions. Uh, So as we're recording these first episodes, we have not obviously had listener questions, although we encourage you now that you are listening to these episodes to write to us uh, through our various social media, our blogs. Uh, You can email me, lvandercam at yahoo.com. Send in your questions. But we have some from Sarah's blog that people have been posting. So what, what do we have this week? I like this one from Jordan. How do you make time for friends? I'm a full-time working mom and both my husband and I are really social, but sometimes it's hard to find time to see our friends, especially those without kids. She also asked about meal planning, but we'll get that. We'll, we'll get, get to that we'll get in to another, that another episode. That's also another episode. Another episode so, yeah, I love this question about friends. It, you know, we moved here four years ago and it's honestly taken three to four years before I feel like we have a good suite of friends and enough to do. And we've gotten to a point where, you know, I do feel like I have enough of a social circle to satisfy me and I am an extrovert. So that's, you know, a decent amount of people. My husband says he doesn't need people. And sometimes I think he wishes we had fewer friends and I hope that doesn't sound bad because he's a really wonderful person, but not an extrovert. (laughs) Anyway, we tend to make time for friends a lot of times with our kids. We often do a Sunday play date dinner. So our kids are releasing their excess energy. We're either cooking or taking out and we're getting that adult interaction all in one. And then if you host them, you'll find that you get invited to some. So then you don't even have to worry about cleaning your house (laughs) half the time. So that's been one of the biggest ways that we've stayed connected with the friends that we've made. That's really cool. I think that, you know, obviously if they have kids your age, that's, that's good. Get together for, for joint plate. It's friends without kids, a little bit more complicated, but what we did when we were, you know, the first of sort of the group to have kids, or at least I was, my husband's a little bit older. We would have people come over after kid bedtime and like bring takeout. And so then we'd supply the wine and the other couple could bring something that they had picked up on the way over there. And, you know, people feel like hosting is the hard thing to do. It is so not, especially if you have kids, you want people to come to your house because then you don't yes. have to leave. And you don't have to worry about childcare. You don't have to worry yeah, about childcare. Awesome. So they, they would come over after the kid bedtime and we would hang out and then they could leave and go party all night or whatever it is people without children do. <laughs> and and then we could, you know, pass out and wake up at 6 a.m. in the morning. The other, I found that a time that I often get together with friends is is through exercise. Like I have a couple of friends that I run with occasionally and they're all different paces. So it sort of depends what kind of run I am looking for, but that can be a fun morning thing to do on the weekend um, that I meet somebody for a run at a trail that's semi near my house and we do a long run and can chat and catch up. Uh, I'm totally jealous because I feel like running conversations are the best. And that's one thing I haven't really found down here. So if you're in the Miami area and you want to run with me, um, let me know. <laughs> Although Sarah awesome. is deceptively slow at the moment in her third well, yes. pregnancy. But I'll, I'll come back. I'll come back. <laughs> that's true. And then she will be fast. So you might want to build that into your <laughs> mindset as you're, you're thinking if you want to run with Sarah. 
but but yeah, no, that's so that's been good for that. But I think it's also just about deciding that it is going to be a priority in your life. And I think it's very easy when we are in these kind of busy years of building the career, raising a family, to say that friends are just the thing that's going to fall by the wayside. And there will be, I think, a lot of winnowing out because some relationships, it turns out, were not worth keeping. Like it's only that they were convenient or you didn't have anything else going on or whatever it is. Uh, but you can also, you want to have people who support you through this time. And it doesn't have to be a huge number of people. So it could just be about saying, I'm going to put this on my to-do list for the week to reach out to a friend and to get, you know, coffee on the calendar or a lunch on the calendar or, you know, weekend get together on the calendar. And if you put this on your calendar to do every month or so, then you'll be getting together with friends at least once a month. And maybe you decide you want to do more frequently and you can do that as well. But making space for it can make life feel so much more fun. And even just catching up on the phone time, you would have been scrolling through Instagram, just actually pick up your phone and call somebody. And and that can be much more meaningful. It's also amazing to me how, and this speaks to keeping my friendships of my friends who don't have children, how even just a once a year gathering, you can reconnect with these friends instantly and feel like no time has gone by. So it may be difficult in the next year, but in prior years, there's been at least one trip each year, either because someone got married or for my college reunion, or one year we just all decided to meet up in Chicago where all of my college girlfriends get together. I'm the only one thus far with kids, which is kind of amazing in and of itself since I'm 37. But yeah, that's been so nice. And it, it doesn't have to be often for me to still feel like I'm very connected to these women. Yeah, even just a little bit can go a long way. And if you have local friends, having a standing date for getting together, whether it's like the first Thursday of every month or something that you meet for dinner, that that's great because then nobody has to plan it. It's already on there. Because when you're planning one-off events, it's just a pain. But when everyone knows when it's going to happen and it always happens at that time, it, it can be easier to get together. Yeah, or book clubs are great for that books purpose too. You just it's like forget instant. the book. <laughs> you don't even have to <laughs> exactly. It's a ruse for getting together. But uh, yeah, well, that has been this episode. Thanks for tuning in. You can reach out to us, and we look forward to talking with everyone next time. Thanks for listening. You can find me, Sarah, at theshoebox.com or at the underscore shoebox on Instagram. And you can find me, Laura, at lauravandercam.com. This has been the Best of Both Worlds podcast. Please join us next time for more on making work and life work together. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org.
Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.